This episode of Dear Anxiety is brought to you by Go Action, the new animated procrastination program from GoZen. The Go Action series uses the power of story to teach kids to stop procrastinating and take action on homework, chores, self-care, and anything else kids love to put off till the last minute. Find out more at gozen.com forward slash procrastination. Oh, it started recording right away. It didn't do that thing. Huh, interesting. Is that good? I, may, I hope it's good. It's good, because then we're <clears throat> recording the show. You have the, the yeah. See what you're listening to, folks. And this is a private peek into the world. I call it the wide world of anxiety. And this is Dear Anxiety After Dark. No, this is Dear Anxiety. And we are the show that talks a lot about, we explore mental health. We explore our relationship to our thoughts and feelings. We talk about and we show you, we share with you different tools that you can use to transform your, to transform your life. Little, live a little bit happier, a little bit healthier maybe. Things that you can do with your kids, things you can do regarding parenting. We don't have, what is emotional fitness? We don't even know what it is in this culture. People talk a lot about it, but does anybody show you what you can practice? And that's what it is. It is a practice. Just like happiness is a practice. Just like basketball is a practice. Are they equal in in terms of importance? I don't know. Maybe mental health <laughs> takes a pro- takes precedence over basketball. But basketball is 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 wonderful. You know, there should be like an NBA. There should be a na- national mental health league where people can actually go in and and win awards for being mentally healthy. We don't have that yet. We're not there yet. Hopefully Lee can edit what I've just said Um, (laughs) or send it to the lab. Yes, Lee, are you there? (laughs) Or send it to the lab for testing. Well, this is Dear Anxiety, and every week we, we're going to look, look at different topics. We'll look at procrastination one week. We put that off for a while. But right now, today's episode is about something that we call what-ifing. You heard me right, what-ifing. I know you think you heard something else. You did not. What-ifing, the things that we do to ourselves when we future-think and we think the worst, which I'm the best at. So, Myself, who am I? I'm Ed Krasnick. This is Dear Anxiety. My partner is Rini Jane, and Rini is an expert. She's an expert on what ifing too, and she's going to tell you more about that. But her company, GoZen.com, actually teaches resilient skills and anxiety relief and how to stress better and parenting education, all kinds of things through animation and creative play. She studied for many years at the University of Pennsylvania, has a degree in applied positive psychology from working with Dr. Martin Seligman, the father of applied positive psychology. And Rini, when I say what ifing to you, I'm not swearing. It should be a swear word. I think (laughs) Urban Dictionary is a swear word. What if? What What if? if? What if? No, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Okay, so we do this all the time, right? You think, what if this happens? What if that happens? But it's never what if the good thing happens or what if the best thing happens. It's what if the worst thing happens. And my question to you is, are we trying to teach people, is is it healthy to switch to still do the what ifing, but do it? for the good. I think that this is a big topic. Okay, so here so your question is 
should we what if and can we what if for the good and how do we switch to the good if we can do the good? But let's talk about kind of what's going on with the brain first, because I know that a lot of parents who have kids that are anxious are probably answering these what if questions or at least pulling their hair out, trying to answer these what if questions for their kids all the time. So as everybody knows, we can time travel, right? We mentally time travel into the future and into the past. You can be driving somewhere and then you have no idea how you got to that place because you were thinking about something else. Maybe you were thinking about the groceries that you have to buy tomorrow, or maybe you're thinking about some doctor's appointment that you had in the past, right? So we we zip around through different time zones using our brain and it's pretty cool. But what happens is a lot of times we get stuck, right, either in the past or we get stuck in the future. And in the future, we start to ask these what if questions. We start to fill in kind of the uncertainties of what's going to happen in the future. So for our kids, maybe they're going to a new school and they start to think, what if nobody sits with me at lunch? What if I have a teacher that's not kind to me? What if they, you know, what if they play a game that I don't know how to play? So we start what ifing and our kids become very anxious about this. And so we try to reassure them it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Trust me. And somehow our reassurance falls on deaf ears. So I will note that I completely didn't answer your question. I feel like I'm on a talk show, you know, when people just go off their own talking points. I'm like, (laughs) Ed asked me a question. And no, then dodge, but I'm going to answer it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's okay because actually, now I asked you that because I'm I'm working with my own daughter, and we're trying. I'm trying to take what she naturally does, which is she's a you know, which is this planning, you know, future thinking and thinking about what comes out, and trying to use that energy to shift it. And I'm just wondering if that's a tack or if you're trying to get people ultimately to be present. I mean, I so first of all, I don't think it's possible to live in the present moment. I think perspection and thinking about the future is part of who we are as humans. I think it has a lot of benefits. So we're, you know, how do they teach pilots how to fly? They don't sit them down and ask them questions like, what if a bird hits your plane? Or what if your engine fails? Or what if lightning strikes? They put them in a simulator. And they say, okay, practice in here, and we're going to simulate all these things happening. And then you react. Well, our brain is like a flight simulator. It's constantly simulating future scenarios and asking what if questions. So you can almost pre-live the experience. And I think it's super important. It's a super amazing quality of the human brain, and it's fascinating. But I think what you're saying is, is that, yeah, we can get caught in this issue where what ifing becomes a worry maker, where we're stuck in these loops and thinking about the future can actually cause present pain. But I do love this idea of not trying to fight it, not trying to resist it, what's happening, but actually trying to transform it. So actually shifting it. I think shift is the word that you used, which I think is beautiful. And I think that we can do that with kids. But the first thing that I love parents to do and for kids to understand is that there's actually a benefit to thinking about the future. It's not a bad thing. We can't only live in the present moment. We plan using the, you know, thinking about the future. You have a dog, right, Ed? Yes. Do you, does your dog get excited? Like, I don't know if you use a leash when you take him out to walk, but does he, do you have a cue for when you get to go outside with your dog? Yes. The dog actually looks at me and says, what is the matter with you? And says it because the dog does speak English and and sounds a lot like me, oddly enough. The dog can actually throw its voice into my head. 
But here's, but he, it sounds like family guy, but here, but here's the thing. Yes, he does get excited as soon as there are sounds of keys. Okay, so there's sounds of keys and the dog is anticipating, oh my goodness, I get to go outside. Now, I don't know what the complex ability is for your dog to think into the future. Is your dog thinking, oh my goodness, it's so exciting. We get to go outside and then maybe we're going to come back and we're going to hang out and then maybe we're going to have a nice night of watching sitcoms. Like I don't know how far that goes. And maybe on Saturday night, we can plan a nice dinner. I don't think at this point, we don't believe that animals have the ability to plan in a complex way the way that we do. Not to say that any species are, is better or worse, but that humans have this very unique ability to think in advance, to use it for decision making, and to almost like pre-live experiences. But here's the interesting thing that happens. A lot of times when we're thinking about the future and creating that simulation in our brain, what we're using for that simulation is based on bits of our past experiences and our past memories. So if you're, I gave the example earlier, if your child is going to a new school, they're going to think about what that school is like based on some of their past experiences of their other school. And mm -hmm. if some of that experience isn't great, they might build that into their simulation of the future. And if they don't know like this is where we go. This is where we go wrong. If there are these big spaces of uncertainty, we start to worry. That's when the what ifing goes from helpful planning, helping us make decisions, just helping us be creative and imagine, helping us be hopeful to really worrying and getting stuck. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a this is an everyday thing. I really struggle with this. The stuff that happens for me, and I don't know if this is the case with most people, but for me, I work myself into such a state of panic and anxiety, actually believing what my future thinking is telling me. So I'm not checking the thoughts. I'm not saying, "Wait a minute, is this really true? Wait a minute, where is this coming from? Wait a minute, let me take a breath here." Oh, I see that. I mean, I think that when it's debilitating and when it causes you great anxiety and great panic and it skews your vision for what's really happening, that's when I think what ifing becomes a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it also becomes a problem because interestingly, you can think about something like that in the future that's bothering you, worrying you. And you can actually activate the stress response in the present moment. So you can be thinking about something in the future and all of a sudden you have a stomach ache. It's kind of amazing, actually, if it weren't happening, <laughs> if it weren't actually happening and not feeling feeling not amazing, it probably would be fascinating, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like the brain is fascinating that you can think about something in the future and activate the stress response in the present moment. Right. And then you can you can get stuck in a loop of thinking about it. You can get stuck in a loop of thinking about something that hasn't happened yet and that may never happen. And you can get stuck in a loop thinking about something that has already happened that's bothering you. So I guess the question is. How do you get out of the what ifing loop? Right? How do you get out of the what ifing loop? And yeah. and if yeah, and and then I have a follow up question to that. So how do you get out of the what ifing loop? And well, what can you? Answer, I want to talk about the things that don't work. I think the problem, the first problem is, is that we have these big myths about what's going to work. And I wouldn't say, you know what? Are they big myths? They just feel like things that should work, but they don't work. They're like the epic fails of stopping the what ifing. You want to hear what they are? Sure. Okay, epic fail number Do we need any music for this? Yeah, epic fail number one, myth number one of stopping the what ifing. Thought squishing is what I call it. Okay. You try to squish your thoughts, like step on them with your boots? Yes. 
pretend they're not there. Yes. They're not there. Get rid of them. Distract yourself. Watch some TV. Eat something good. Just Mm -hmm. compartmentalize, right? Say, oh, I'm at work now, so I can't really think about that bad thought. But that bad thought's not going anywhere. It's just getting louder and louder. So that's not working, right? The ignore method. Ignore method doesn't work. Can that method. Okay. Mm I've already mentioned reassurance, right? So parents reassuring or you reassuring yourself when there are these what if questions. And this is a knee jerk response for parents. I'm a parent myself. When my kids are worried, I am my knee jerk instinct response is to say it's going to be okay. Trust me, it's going to be fine. And and I'm going to tell you, anytime you go into autopilot as a parent, you're going to crash that plane. Because what's happening is, and I'm learning this from working with you, Rini. What's happening is you're putting a wall up and you're disconnecting the relationship that you have to yourself and your child. You know, I'm not trying to be global about this, but what I am saying is I think I'm just going to say yes. I'm just, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, but I'll say what I think is best. Well, what I need to say is I need to say I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm not thinking clearly. I love you and let me think about it. Yes. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And even though you've asked me the same question a hundred times, what if dot, 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 and I've told you it's going to be okay, I don't really feel like changing my response (laughs) because I'm just hoping that the hundred and first time will work. It's going to be okay. What if nobody locked the door? What if a robber comes into the house? What if nobody sits by me on the bus? You know, there's so many what if questions that can come up. And so reassurance, we will find if you go on autopilot, as Ed said, and you're just reassuring, often does not work. Now, are we saying don't be caring and loving and compassionate? No, it's not about that. And it's not about you can say it's okay and and then give them more. Okay. And then kicking ourselves when we're down. Myth. I hear that in your voice sometimes, Ed, when you're talking about thinking about the future and your catastrophic thinking sometimes and the what ifing, and then just being upset at yourself for doing that. Am I off base? Totally off. No, you're absolutely right. That doesn't help us, though. No, it doesn't help us. That is a, that's my version of autopilot because I practice it so much. Mm-hmm. And when you're a comedian and you get people responding in a positive fashion because your catastrophic thinking is so extreme and you make fun of it, then it's even more confusing because you're saying, but wait a minute, people really seem to like this. That's so interesting. I've never thought about that before. Oh, yeah. Well, well, you're actually, you know, if your persona, you know, is a performer, everybody has a persona. Now, hopefully it's very close to who you are, but you go on stage, you're a performer, and your performing is based on exaggeration and self-deprecation. And now you say, wait a minute, that's maybe not healthy for me as a person. So I'm not going to do the self-deprecation. Then, so you go up there and you talk about how great you are and how much you love yourself and you get booed off stage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be the interesting thing. Uh, so anyway, this is, yeah, it's a, it's an issue. You know, the thing is you, you want to be doing the thought checking and the thought detection and the awareness of all these things and then make choices about it. That's all. What you're saying is here are the things that don't work. Okay, so all these, so I have a long list of things that don't work. There's like a huge list of, yeah, I'm saying these are the things that don't work. And I feel like they're myths because we keep using them. Maybe they're not myths. Maybe people already know that they don't work, but I'm just calling them myths because they're regularly used as techniques to stop the what ifing. 
Right. Right. So what so what do we do? What can we do? Let's let's talk about it's a that. Very good question. What can we do? And not only what can we do, but what can we practice? What can we practice easily? What are some things that are very simple to practice? Okay. I think that one of the simplest things that we can do is to expect the what ifing. We expect it both from ourselves. If we are the ones that are experiencing the anxiety, right? If we are chronically worrying, then you should expect that anything new that you do, anything uncertain that's going on, or maybe something from the past, you know, that you are ruminating on, that the what ifing is going to come with it. So the first thing is, is that you should expect it. I always encourage kids and adults of any age to create a character right, of their worry, to externalize their worry, to make it concrete for themselves and to be playful with it. So you should expect, and in the Gozen programs, we call it Whittle the Worrier, you should expect that Whittle, Whittle is going to show up when you're doing something where there's a lot of unknowns. So expect it. That's number one. And plan a response, you know, and the response can literally just be acknowledgement for, for, for something very simple to do. Oh, hey, hey, what if thoughts? Hey, Whittle the Warrior, or hey, Mr. Worry, whatever you want to name your worry. What's up? Yeah, I'm doing something new. I'm starting a new job, or I'm going to a new school, or I'm, you know, I'm doing something that causes me worry. I have a swim meet next week, and you're what ifing. Yep, I see you. Thanks, brain. Thanks, Warrior. Okay, so you, number one, expect it. Number two, plan what you're going to say. And number three, it's not the boss of you. Your feelings are messengers. They're communicating something to you. So Whittle the Warrior is communicating something to you, but he is not in charge of what you do. So talk back to it. Are we talking back to our worry and saying, listen, you're not, yeah, I get it. You're making me uncomfortable. You're making my stomach uneasy. You're making my throat dry, but you're not the boss of me. I'm still doing this. Yeah, this is a big one. And and what we're talking about is having a relationship with this, having a relationship with it, working with it, playing with it, being aware and making choices about how you're going to play with it and how you're going to talk to it as you would talking to a friend or talking to anyone who you cared about or had a relationship with. And this seems to be a theme, too, with our show and the things that we talk about. We talk about making things, making things that go on with your mental health, with your emotional health, making them conscious, calling them out, paying attention to it, and making a choice about how you talk to it or talk to yourself. Yes, yes. This seems kooky. It's extremely effective. Extremely effective. So I recommend that if you haven't tried it with yourself, this is this is no boundaries on age whatsoever, right? This type of technique does not discriminate. It likes it works for everyone of every age. So you can definitely do that. You can also make a kind of game plan that involves ifs and thens because the child or the grown up again is asking what if questions. What if this happens? Well, so make a plan. If this happens, right? So let's think of an example. What what's something that maybe is a what if for you, Ed? If my what if, what if my job doesn't continue? What if my job doesn't continue? So then you would write down on a piece of paper. If my job doesn't continue, then 
and then create a plan. Make make some sort of, sort of alternative, some sort of alternative plan. Now, that's a big one. That's a heavy one, right? But the thing is, is that your brain is trying to assess risk and it's having a really hard time with it. So you're helping with the risk assessment and you're helping brainstorm solutions because your brain's just asking question after question after question that is causing, that thought is causing pain in your body, right? Like you're feeling it. You're feeling right. the nerve. You're feeling your nervous system from asking. Oh, yeah. You know, while you're physically wherever you are, your body is under complete stress and you're imagining, and this is where fear comes from, where, where the fear is activated, is you're actually picturing what you don't want to have happen. So you're starting to create a picture, not of what you do want to have happen. Your brain is starting to picture what it doesn't want to happen. Yes. And that's where fear comes scenario, right? The bad stuff that possibly happened. Right. And you're so, starting to, you're getting a picture of it now. Yes, absolutely. And you know, that picture creates a story basically in your mind. Mm -hmm. So you can also just let the thoughts pass by. You really can learn this technique of observing your own thoughts and feelings and creating a detachment from them. So you are you. You are the person that you are. That's really profound, right? You are you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. to your feelings, they are not attached to who you are. They are temporary experiences that you have, you know, multiple thousands of times a day. So they pass by. You let them pass by. What if this job doesn't continue? It's a thought that literally has the letters floating by your head. You're watching it float by. And then it goes. I know that sounds so simple or maybe silly, it's incredibly powerful. And it's amazing how kids take to it. You tell them they're like trains. Your brain is a train station and every thought is a train that's passing through the station. And some stay longer than others, but eventually they all zip by. Well, that's really, and that's a great thing for kids to draw and to actually do like a craft project where they draw the different thoughts and the different things that they're thinking about and make them into trains. And then they can be the conductor and they can direct traffic. But I mean, I think that that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool kind of thing. I wish we had that in, a, in an app that we could do a game with. Well, I like know. the idea of just drawing it, right? So if you're drawing thoughts as trains, you have a bunch of trains on a piece of paper. I think I'm going to add a layer to that. Tell kids that one of the things that our brain does is it looks out for the bad stuff in order to protect us. Because a long time ago, right, when we were cavemen and cave women, we needed to be aware of the danger in our surroundings. So psychologists estimate that bad things weigh three to five times more heavily in our mind than good things. So if you're looking at that piece of paper where you're drawing these trains and you're drawing the thoughts on the trains, you can tell them that it's really easy for us to pay attention to the bad thoughts because our brains are wired to pay attention to them. But what we can do is we can choose to pay attention to some of the good ones. And so make sure you add the good ones in there. And how do you pay attention to something? That kind of sounds silly. Why are we asking the question? It should be so intuitive. But you can really sit with a thought, right? You can close your eyes. You can put your hand on your heart and you can take a deep breath. <sighs> And you can think about something that is going well in your life or that has gone well in your life. Because just like we were talking about the fact that a future thought can make you feel uncomfortable in your body in the present moment, 
Well, something good that's already happened to you, you can experience the positive emotion from that again. So why not multiply the good stuff by sitting with it and savoring it? That's really an important skill to practice because, you know, generally people are doing something, anything, because they want to be happy. Well, have you ever had an experience in your life where you are happy? Could you have that experience in any moment if you remembered and savored and really brought yourself back to that place and felt that happiness in this moment? And if you can do that, that's how you attract happiness to yourself. It's, it's kind of a funny thing. If you ask people why they're doing anything, why do you want to make more money? Why do you want to have this relationship? Why do you want to travel to France? Why do you want to do anything? Well, I want to be happy. Well, have you ever been happy? Yes. Do you remember what that feels like? Yes. Well, can you just feel that now? I mean, this is an esoteric thing, but it's actually really not. You have all those, all those emotions and all those experiences stored within you. And if you can have that now, no matter what the circumstances are in your life, things are going to change. Absolutely. There is an upward spiral that happens when you kind of build on positive experiences and positive emotion. Basically, you can build momentum with them, you know, even past experiences that you've had. So you can do things like take pictures and have a little, create a little positive portfolio of the pictures that you have or drawings that you have that really bring to the surface these good experiences that you had. Just remembering good experiences, essentially, is what I'm saying. And so it's such a, it's such a wonderful thing to do. And it's, and again, amazing how the body and the brain work together to bring you back to a place that you were, that you're not even in the present moment. So I believe in the practice of mindfulness. I'm a longtime mindfulness practitioner. Um, I practice various forms of meditation, but I don't believe that our mind is meant to only be in the present moment. It's not the way that our brain works. And so I think we should take advantage of all the things of this time traveling that we're able to do in terms of going to the past and the future. So we, I know we need to wrap up soon, but we haven't done our role play. No, and I was going to ask you that, uh, that let me come in and I'm going to have, I'm going to have all this what ifing going on. And then maybe what you can do is just sort of call out these techniques, call them out you know, suggest them and see if you can, you know, kind of help me re, you know, make a, make a different choice about the what ifing that I'm doing. Okay. Sounds good. Let's do it. Let's get ready to role play. Listen, I, I am really worried. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about what if I don't get, what if I can't continue it? What if I can't pay my bills? What if it's going to be, I mean, I just don't know what to do. I mean, this is going to be the worst thing ever. I'll just collide. It'd be horrible. I mean, I can't face anybody. It's just the worst feeling ever. Ed, it sounds like it sounds like the what ifing monster is awake again, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's just, but but I mean, this is really a reality. I mean, it could happen. I mean, what if I what if what if I'm not able to 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 find something else? What if I'm not able to pay my bills? What if I'm not able to 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 go on? I mean, what if I'm not able to take care of everybody? How do I do it? Did something happen right before this that got you to thinking about it? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's there are things that are coming up. It's uh, it's a whole story. It's a whole situation that I'm experiencing, and it's I'm, I've been thinking about it, but I don't have a, a resolution about it. Okay. Well, it sounds. I don't know what's like- going to happen. 
remember when we talked about worry talking, right? It sounds like Whittle the Worrier is talking to you right now, right? And I know that a lot of times when Whittle is talking to you, that you, when your worry is talking to you, he's asking a lot of what if questions, all of those questions. So remember what we planned? Do you have a response for Whittle? Yeah, listen, I hear you and I know that you're concerned about all these things, but I'm, you know, I'm hearing a lot of, a lot of different things that you're, you're worried about. And I, I have to tell you, I hear you, I see you and, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some other things right now. Um, you can continue to worry if you want, but I'm going to, I'm going to make some other choices right now about what I'm doing. I see what's going on. I see what's going on. You can thank you for the message. You can stay over there. You continue to do what you're doing. I'm going to go on to do the stuff I need to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Whittle, we are not hanging out with you right now. You can, you can make us all uncomfortable if you want to, but we're okay with being uncomfortable. We're just fine, and we're going to continue doing what we're doing. That was amazing, Ed. Yeah. We have a winner. Yeah, it felt it felt good. You know, again, the 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 train station and the thoughts coming in, and just you know, that's relating to them directly. And the other one is, oh, I see that I'm having a lot of worry. I'm having a lot of thoughts about this right now. Oh, look at them go! Wow, there's so many of them. Yeah, when I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a walk. When you guys are listening to these role plays, remember that the goal, of course, in your in your mind, you're like, of course, the goal is to make the worry go away, right? The goal, especially in the beginning, is not to make the worry go away. It's not to play a perfect game when you're going out to practice. The goal is practicing the skill. The goal is to practice this coping technique because it can be extremely powerful and for children, it's something that they can do when you're not around to support them. So it's it's easy to try and to practice. I think the part that's a little bit more of a challenge is to make it feel authentic to your child, right? So getting the right name for worry and using the words that really speak to them and getting their buy-in. That part takes a little bit of experimentation. But the actual technique, once you have their buy-in, very powerful. And maybe you can, you know, maybe you can model it for them. I know that this is hard for a parent to do because I've experienced it myself, but to actually take the time, anything that you want them to do, you do it and you say it out loud, you call it out loud, but do it for real, you know, do it, do it for real. Hey, I'm having all these thoughts. This is what I do when I have all these thoughts. This is what's happening for me. Now I got to talk to myself a little bit. I want to say wow, I'm having a lot of worry. I'm having a lot of this. I'm having a lot of that. And and I hear it. And I'm going to let you continue. I'm not going to, you know, engage with you right now because it, because I feel badly when I do. But you go on. I'm going to go play a game right now with my, with my daughter. Well, that you know? has a full benefit. So the benefits are not only are you modeling it for your child, but you're also managing your own nervous system, right? Mm-hmm are being the calm that you want to see in your child. And so you're really able to bring the best version of yourself to be able to support them with whatever they're going through. So it's really important to practice these skills ourselves. But sometimes, I, you know, what's going to happen, and I'm not saying this is my what-ifing, but usually what happens to me is I jump ahead and I'm so concerned about 
them that I don't that I that I don't call out when I'm doing, and it's happening in the pre, it's happening now. So, for example, if I'm trying to help my daughter and I'm and I'm I'm saying to her it's going to be okay, then I can actually catch myself and I can say, you know what, I was just telling you that it was going to be okay, but I have to tell you, I'm really concerned. And this is what I do when I get concerned is I say everything's going to be okay. You know what I found out? It doesn't work that well. So here's what I'm... Now, it doesn't matter if they follow you or not. It's the tone of what you're doing. The tone of what you're doing is you're saying, I'm being real with you. This is what's happening for me in the moment. And now let me just talk to myself a little bit. Teach your kids how to talk to themselves by you talking to yourself in the moment. Teach them how to be honest about what's going on with them. It sounds strange, but you know what's really strange? What's really strange is not telling them the truth and pretending that everything's okay. Yes. I And I love the part where you're saying, you know, well, I'm saying it's okay, but, you know, I, I know that that's not a good thing to say. Because you're really just showing them, as you said, that you're being real, your humanity, and that that's okay. And there's no perfect around this, right? What we're doing in these relationships, there's just progress and that's it. And we're striving for progress together. Um, but your, I child know- will, your child will pick up that the tone of, this is my father taking care of himself. This is how my father takes care of himself. That's what they're going to pick up. That's what they're going to get from you. Yeah, so they're, they're going to pick up the tone of what's going on with you. They're not going to, but what they feel anyway, if you don't say it, is my dad's saying something, but he really doesn't believe what he's saying. What he's saying and what I'm feeling are two different things. So this is more like, yeah, I caught myself saying something, but I'm really, I have a different belief about that. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, I don't, you know, I'm saying everything's going to be okay. I know that doesn't really work, you know? Yeah, it doesn't really work. I guess what I'm what I'm talking about is really you can practice these things on your own to do it for yourself in front of your kids. And that way two things happen. One, you're calming yourself down. You're having a relationship with your thoughts and feelings. And your kids are picking up the secondary benefit of that, which is, oh, this is what it looks like when somebody talks to themselves and their feelings and thoughts. This is how you relate to your feelings and thoughts. You're teaching them. So you're not lying. You're not saying, oh, here's a great teaching moment. I'll use this to teach them. You're actually sharing with them what's going on in the moment for you. Yeah, I love that. It's like a collaborative effort. You know, you're doing it together. And they see that you are continually working on yourself as well and that it's going to be a continued progress or or process as they grow older. Because too, because too, the other thing, I'm sorry to keep going on, but the other thing is that you're not at a different place than your kids are at (laughs) when it comes to emotions and thoughts. We're actually all at the same place. We're all learning together. I love that. I love that. And that's, that's awesome. It's amazing. So um, I know that we have to wrap the show now. We want to let you know that we are so incredibly excited that so many of you are listening every week and we're receiving wonderful feedback. It's really meaningful to us. If you guys are enjoying the show, if you can leave us a review and let us know, you know, what you like or what you love about it. It just helps us reach more people. You can leave us a review at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety. And you can also send us notes and that can include audio messages where you share 
an issue, or a technique or a tool that works for you. It can be either or. We just want to build the community by sharing information and communicating with each other. So that's one way you can do it. And where can they do that, Ed? They can do that at gozen.com forward slash dear anxiety. The other thing that you can do is you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Google Play or Stitcher or any of the, or, or on iTunes, where you can find us at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety. And there you can find us and subscribe or share the podcast with your friends and family and uh, your rabbi, because that's going to be, a, or your priest. And also, we hope that you've checked out our new program. It's at gozen.com forward slash procrastination. And if you are procrastinating about it, go check it out. We're really, really excited by the feedback we're getting. Fantastic. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks to Rini. And thanks to all of you. Keep coming back at Works If You Work It. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. See you next time. Thanks, guys. What if his boss wants to have some of his bologna sandwich? What if Ed doesn't want to give it to him? What if this leads to conflict? What if they end up sharing? (laughs) I don't know where this is going. I hope all of this is edited out. What if it isn't edited out? Then what will the audience think?